The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you run simple. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you're in the right place. Today's buzz, you've all heard this one before, sizzle versus steak. We're going to find out what in the heck she's talking about. Okay, let's get started. Many CFOs' wish lists include, well, what do they want? They want improved collaboration. They want embedded analytics. They want easier deployment. They want streamlined maintenance, along with a host of other things. As a result, when they hear about something called cloud-based EPM solutions, ah, they say that sounds really interesting, and that appeals to current and new users of EPM, performance management solutions. But let's ask a hard question. What will EPM in the cloud really offer to organizations? Is it really different from traditional on-premise approaches, which they've been using all along? And as we observe the rise of what we're calling the analytical CFO, and you know we talk about the the uh, trends and the growth of the role of the CFO, no longer just as the keeper of the spreadsheet, but more as the guide to the business with valuable on-time, real-time insights. How does EPM fit into their role as the CFO become? in fact, more analytical and more of a leader in the business. Okay, we have a panel of three experts who are going to help us figure out all of these pressing questions. So let's get started. First up, I'd like to welcome Joe Mastro. He is a director at Deloitte with over 25 years of experience in the performance management technology space. Joe has sent me an interesting quote from Calvin Coolidge. Anybody young out there around the world saying, oh, that name sounds familiar. Who is it? Well, John Calvin Coolidge Jr. was the 30th president of the U.S. He was a Republican lawyer from Vermont, and he worked his way up the ladder of Massachusetts state politics, becoming governor and then president. And here's the quote. Listen up. Nothing in this world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful people with talent. Genius will not. Education will not. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. Great quote. Words to live by. Joe Mastro, how are you today? Doing well, Bonnie. How about yourself? I'm fine. Thanks for this quote. I, I think Calvin Coolidge would find it very interesting that he is being quoted in the year 2015 on a an internet radio show called Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. But more important, he's been chosen by somebody at a company named Deloitte. Uh, what would Calvin Coolidge say if he knew that his quote is still applicable, Joe? Well, I think, uh, Bonnie, it is a ver- very interesting quote. It's one that I've actually uh, lived my life by, right? It, it's the type of thing where we're, we all have education, we all have talents, but unless we focus those talents and put those energies towards that, towards a, towards a goal, uh, we really don't advance that, that vision. So the way I've always looked at this is we need to take the talent that we've given and develop that talent, continue to develop it, but we need to really apply that by breaking through barriers, not, not 
being concerned about the roadblocks that are ahead of us, but think about the, the ability and, and the excitement of working around those barriers. And if you just relate that to EPM per second, you know, we used to start off in the EPM space. It used to be all manual. And if you look at mm-hmm. today where we've automated with on-site client, on-site uh, with, with clients uh, systems in their own internal environments. But now with the, the advent of the web and the, the fact that we now have cloud-based solutions out there, really being able to, to leverage that. And what's really led to that, we could have been, you know, we could have been very happy in the client, uh, client server models that we used to live in. But with the advent of technology, we wanted to push those, push those barriers and make life easier for all of us. And I think that's what you hear more about today as we progress. Very interesting, Joe. Thank you very much. When I said these are words of wisdom, I think this is uh, has been a, a common misconception for people over the decades is you go to the right college, you get the right education, you have a high IQ, your SAT scores are high, and you're just going to come out of that box kicking and screaming success written all over your T-shirt, right? It's not that simple, is it, Joe? takes a lot more. You agree? I totally agree. It, it takes that, you know, you need to have that, that determination and you need to have that drive to really bring those those talents to fruition. And we used to call that having a fire in the belly, but that's a whole other show, that passion, that drive, and I think that's what Coolidge was trying to say, and it sounds like he had that exactly. Joe Mastro, thank you for getting us started off so well, and let me introduce our second panelist today's returning guest. It's Jeff Hattendorf, the co-founder of a company called Macrospect, and Jeff has sent me a quote that's typically, well, it's very popular, very easy, I'll read it in a second, commonly contributed to Benjamin Disraeli by way of Mark Twain. Mark Twain quoted it saying this came from Disraeli. However, the quote was not found in any of Disraeli's writings. And the first time it appeared in print, guess what? It was many years after his death. So we're not quite sure who said it, but I think you're going to recognize it and you're going to love it. The quote is, there are three kinds of lies. Lies, damned lies, and statistics. And there we have it. Jeff Hattendorf. Who do you think originally said it? Was Jeff Hattendorf maybe? (laughs) <laughs> it, it could have been. I use it quite a bit. <laughs> I thought so. Hi, Jeff. Welcome back. How have you been? Good. How about you? Very well, thanks. Thanks for joining us. So talk to me. How does this show today? We're talking about EPM and the cloud. We're talking about the analytical CFO. And here we have a quote from way back when about a lot of lies in different ilks, if you will. So talk to me. How does this apply to our topic? Well, it, in my worldview, the nature of, of human beings has not changed in perhaps thousands of years. We all still want to be a part of the herd because there's safety in numbers. And today we have a cottage industry of, of professionals whose only job it is is to understand what everyone else is doing and to put it into percentages and statistics for us. Mm-hmm. The risk with that is, is that we begin to chase things because we think everyone else is doing it. If you look at the cloud in, in total, I've seen statistics that say up to 95% of the Fortune 500 is using the cloud. In the same report, it'll come back and say, but only 30% are actually using it for anything other than email. Mm-hmm. And you, as you look at these numbers, there's a temptation to, to rush out and do what everyone else is doing. On the flip side of that, we have these things internally to the organization. This is how we've always done it. We have to have 75 reports that look like this around the EPM space. We have to have these kinds of numbers and this... These internal, external statistics tell whatever story we want to tell. So it's up to us, in this case, the CFOs of the the major corporations and the small corporations of the world, to look beyond the numbers and to really understand Mm -hmm. what's the best fit for their organization, not let the numbers dictate where they go. 
Very interesting, Jeff. Good interpretation. You know, you look at numbers and we know they lie because they are bent and manipulated and and uh, warmed up so that they'll go into new configurations so that people can say, did you see the latest report? It says that blah, blah, blah. And then somebody else looks at it and says, that's not at all what it said. Depends on what side of the plus or minus sign you're on, what side of the bell curve you're on, and what you want, what your purpose is with those statistics. So we all know lies, lies, damn lies. Thank you, Jeff Attendorf. But we're looking for the truth today. And I I think we're going to find it with you and your co-panelists. So thanks for joining me again, Jeff. And let's go to our third panelist. He is David Williams, Vice President of Product Marketing for SAP Solutions for EPM, Enterprise Performance Management, and GRC. That's Governance, Risk, and Compliance, part of the SAP Analytics Portfolio. That's a very long title, Dave Williams. And here's the quote Dave sent me from somebody named Peter Thiel, T-H-I-E-L. And if, if you're sitting out there saying, Peter Thiel... I don't know who he is. Well, I'm going to tell you. He's an entrepreneur, a venture capitalist, hedge fund manager. You're going to say, okay, so what? Well, get this. Peter Thiel co-founded PayPal. Uh, with Max Levchin and Elon Musk, and he was the CFO, and all kinds of other things. Age 47, net worth $2.2 billion, with a B. And here's the quote, and you better believe it. Peter Thiel says, first mover isn't what's important, it's the last mover. And I understand this is, was very controversial when he said it. David Williams, welcome. How are you today? Uh, fantastic, Bonnie. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, You're no, calling I, I, from I, Barcelona. Yeah, go ahead. I am. I was going to say, Bonnie, uh, I picked that quote for it stops and makes you think. And, and, and Peter's not only a very successful tech entrepreneur and investor, um, but he's also a contrarian thinker. And mm-hmm. the common belief is that it's the, the ones that win in the market are those that enter first. But Peter's point, it's really the ones that enter last. And he'll, he'll reference Google often as an example. And I brought that up particularly on this topic, because cloud isn't new, okay? There's mm-hmm. been cloud-based EPM has been around for a while, and there's been vendors that have been offering solutions for well over a decade. But there's things that are happening now. There's new solutions. There's changing expectations, modern methods for software design. They're resulting in new EPM that, that will change the status quo. So that's why I picked that one. Thank you very much. Well, I'm glad you picked it because we always are looking for new and interesting quote sources here on SAP Radio. And now I can tell people who are saying, what kind of quote should I bring to the to the show, Bonnie? And I can say, well, look up Peter Thiel. He has some interesting things to say. So thank you for introducing me to the name. I, I knew about him, but I didn't remember his name. David, I appreciate that very much. And you are in Barcelona. Tell us what time of day or night is it there right now? It is seven eleven uh, in the uh, in the afternoon, early evening here. It's beautiful, sunny. Very nice. Well, no pitch intended on the seven eleven side, and if we wait long enough, he would have said it's seven twelve, so that we wouldn't have that. Thank you very much. I'm going to circle back to Joe Mastro. Joe, tell me where you are. What time of day is it? And you know what I'm going to ask. What's in your cup right now, or what are you th- wishing you were drinking instead? Joe Mastro at Deloitte, talk to me. Well, the wish and, and uh, one I'm having are two separate things, but both are, are pretty good, Bonnie. Uh, yeah. Right now, I'm in uh, South Florida today. I'm a day off the road. I'm traveling, and I moved down here about 12 years ago. Love strong coffee, uh, espresso in particular, and got down here uh, to South Florida, and uh, the, the Spanish influence down here is just tremendous from a cultural perspective. And uh, when I'm in Miami office, as I am today, I uh, typically will have what's known as a Cuban coffee, otherwise 
known as uh, Cafe uh, Cubano. And mm-hmm. Cafe Cubano is really a, it's a strong espresso, but as you're, you're, as you're uh, brewing the espresso, you're also taking sugar and you're mixing that in into like a paste. So you take two ounces or so of the espresso, you mix in the paste of sugar, and the way that it breaks down, it just adds additional sweetness. It almost looks like a, a, a level, a, a layer of cream when you fill the rest of the espresso mm. into the cup. It actually rises to the top, and you, it actually looks like a latte in some expre- in some sense. But it's uh, it's really sweet, uh, something that I enjoy. I'm not a sugar type of guy, uh, but this um, cafe Cabuno Cabuno has got me got me set. So whenever I'm in South Florida, that's a drink of choice. Cafe Cubano. I'm going to look it up and see if we can get a good recipe in addition to yours. Thank you very much. Now, that's what you are drinking or that's what you wish you're drinking, Joe? Which one was it? That's what I am drinking. Tonight is that's uh, the Bar Home Run Derby, so that'll be uh, a cocktail of sorts tonight. We'll have to okay. The next, you next, next time on. Certainly will. Yes. Well-made Cafe Cubano has a thick layer of sweet crema, cream floating over strong coffee. Thank you very much. Recipes all over the web. I appreciate that. Jeff Hattendorf, where are you calling from? What time of day is it? And what are you wishing you're drinking? Or if you have something fabulous in front of you, I'd love to know. Well, I'd like to tell you that I was still at the beach calling <laughs> you with some kind of drink with an umbrella in it in my hand. However... I was told that I needed to be at a desk with a landline so that you guys could hear me okay. So I just <laughs> my bad. You, just <laughs> my bad. Came back to Dallas, Texas, where it's going to be a very hot and sunny 100 degrees today. Jeff, you make me feel guilty, but I'm still glad you're here. So tell me what's in your cup. <laughs> my bad. I have my the, bad. The very fancy, no whip, no pump, no sugar, no cream, ordinary black coffee. And is there a flavor or a brand to that coffee so we know what you love to drink? Well, this is just your regular, well, I say regular. I'm going to get myself in trouble here. It's my regular Starbucks no-flavor coffee, just the, the good old-fashioned drip. Okay, and, and maybe it's because I'm old-fashioned yeah. that I think that those statistics are kind of a, a way to get us in trouble. <laughs> Ah, there you go. Thank you. You didn't have to tie it to the topic, but I love when you do. Thank you very much. And David Williams, let's see. It is now 7.15, I believe, p.m. in Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Dave, what are you, are you drinking something, an evening drink, or are you saving it for after the show? I am having an, an horchata, which is a, uh, a drink they only do in the summer here. It's made from a special bean called a, a chufa nut or tiger nut. And it's a very delicious, sweet, summer, refreshing beverage. So if you are ever in Spain, particularly in the Valencia region or Catalonia, you can go to most of the, the ice cream shops and ask for a fresh horchata. You have to have it fresh. You don't want it out of the bottle, but very refreshing. Now, is this, I'm looking up here, is this H-O-R-C-H-A-T-A, horchata latte? Is that the yeah. uh, what you're having? Yeah, well, very interesting. There's one. That's a good, I would like to try the latte version. I haven't seen that, but that's the drink. Well, apparently Starbucks makes a horchata frappuccino, and I found a recipe here on the Young Austinian called horchata iced coffee recipe, and we've got one at SeriousEats.com called coffee cinnamon 
horchata. And at Sprudge.com, we have horchata latte from Cartel Coffee. Sounds like a lyric from a really interesting song, but I'm going to stop looking up recipes because I'm getting very, very thirsty here. By the way, guys, Jeff Hattendorf knows this, and David and Joe don't. They don't let Bonnie have caffeine on radio show days, and you'll have to figure out why. Just water, and I've got a green straw because we're talking about financial excellence today, so the straw has to match the topic. We are off to a really good start here. Our topic, in case you haven't guessed, is reimagining EPM. This is part two of a show we did a little while ago about EPM. Working in the cloud, is it really what CFOs need, what they want? Do they get it? Do they understand it? We're speaking today with Joe Mastro at Deloitte, a director, Jeff Hattendorf, co-founder of Macrospect, and Dave Williams at EPM and GRC at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We'll be back with a lot more. Joe Mastro has agreed. Can't back out now, Joe, has agreed to start the roundtable with me when we come back after the break. So we'll be gone for about 90 seconds, and that's it. When we come back, you don't want to miss 30-minute nonstop roundtable with Joe, Jeff, and Dave. So I'm going to say to our engineer, Michael, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Isn't it time for you to transform your finance organization? SAP is leading the way with groundbreaking technology to help finance professionals transform finance. SAP Simple Finance, powered by SAP, is a part of SAP 4HANA, the next generation business suite. SAP Simple Finance draws upon innovative in-memory, mobile, and cloud technologies to deliver one common secure view of all your information across finance. This gives you instant insight to drive enterprise-wide strategic value. Learn more at www.sap.com forward slash simple dash finance. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments? Questions? Send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Welcome back. As the gentleman said, we are talking today about reimagining EPM Part 2, working in the cloud. What does it mean? Is it that much different from on-premise? Is it really what CFOs are looking for as they move forward in their new reimagined role? I think I can say that. Joe Mastro at Deloitte is with me today, as well as Jeff Hattendorf at Macrospect and David Williams at SAP. And Joe has agreed to open the roundtable with me. Joe, let's go back to the very beginning. EPM history. What is it? Where did it start? I know something about the early 80s with GE timesharing. And bring us up to date a little bit on EPM in the cloud. Let's answer our topic question. What's different? What's wonderful? Uh, so why don't you start, and then we will get Jeff's POV, and we'll add Dave as well. Go ahead, Joe. Oh, thanks, Bonnie, for the, for the mm-hmm. opportunity here. It's uh, when, when we look at the history of EPM, I got started in the space right right in the early '80s. Actually, as technology was really starting to come into play, um, you know, just those were the days back when Globus One Two Three was just coming into play, mid '80s or so. And uh, before that, I was in the finance department. The way we'd actually do our consolidations and performance management from a planning and forecasting perspective was get fax meals transmitted to us or 
in the in the latter days of, of the 80s were the ability to use a GE time sharing system, which we're able to enter some numbers from uh, from somewhere out in, in Europe and somewhere in the rest of the world. We'd enter in the consolidation numbers, their forecast, their planning numbers, submit those to corporate, and we'd get a you know a whole 20 lines of information from each one of these sites. Uh, wow. and then have to start entering them into individual column paper, uh, doing the totals, doing foreign exchange, doing all those business processes manually. And what we saw transpire in, in the mid-'80s is the advent of technology with Lotus and Excel and, and just performance management starting to move into really the, the, uh, the, ex, the workbook type of solution. And then early 90s, we had the adoption of some of your early pioneers with the real performance management applications out there that were really were able to put this into a client-server type of environment, which made it very flexible for end users to get data and pull it from a central database into an environment that we're familiar with in Excel to be able to report, mm-hmm. manipulate the data, analyze the data. And what we're at right now with the cusp of, of where we are with, with the web and with uh, EPM on the cloud uh, we've really just taken that to, to another level. And we start thinking back to the Calvin Coolidge quote, you know, again, persistence and is, is key to, to moving forward. And we could, have been set, we could have been satisfied with what we had in the client-server environment, but we had the vision that we have the Internet now, we have the cloud available to store information. Salesforce has done a great job in helping prove that model out to us. And now as we're working forward with SAP and our vendors, uh, really moving forward to moving all these solutions into the cloud. We'll talk more about that as we move forward. We will. Thank you for the good starting point here, Joe Mastro. Jeff Hattendorf, talk to us more, a little more about your experience with starting out in the early days of EPM, or where did you come into this part of the world? Well, we joined the, the fray as far as the EPM is concerned in the, in the late 90s um, mm-hmm. as the web was becoming popular and at times, I begin to think of the cloud and, and, and cloud products as the web with better marketing. But the reality is, is that it's, it's more than that. Um, going back to something that, that was quoted by Gordon Moore or that he put forth, one of the co-founders of Intel, we've talked about the pace of technological change. You know, what Joe talks about with Lotus 123 with Excel, has, which has become the English language of the finance department, mm-hmm. lots and lots of things have happened in spreadsheets. And over the last 25, 30 years, the push has been to make those things more integrated so that we're not sending spreadsheets back and forth. And, and the, the nature of technology today is that we can have multiple clients or companies existing in a, in a shared infrastructure, sharing the cost of maintaining the system and working literally at the speed of light as data moves across the network. It's a, it's a tremendous improvement, but there's changes that have to happen within the business to take advantage of it. Hmm, interesting. I, I want to go back to a couple of words from Joe's quote from Calvin Coolidge and ask you a question, Jeff, before I bring Dave in. Uh, persistence and determination. Whose who's persistence and determination is driving this push to make EPM better, to, to integrate these systems and these reports? Just a quick answer there. Well, the short version is generally it's going to be the CFO. The, the CFO, he or she has to have the vision and the willingness to persist in the face of the pushback within his or her organization to, to get these changes into their, into their team. Okay, thank you. David Williams, want to get your POV on this. Thoughts? Beginning of EPM, where did you come in? Oh, where did I come in? Well, I, I came from the, uh, the business intelligence side of the space. I, I won't date myself, but, but a long time ago, 
So I, I started in analytics and then moved into performance management and then the most recently into governance, risk, and compliance. Okay, so, yep. You know, my, so my take on this is uh, a lot of interesting points uh, I think have got, gotten brought up and certainly to, to what Jeff was just mentioning, right? The CFO is certainly going to drive a lot of this change and that's part of the really part of the bigger mandate that the CFO has to become much more of a, of a partner to the business and really help mm-hmm. support and drive an, an analytic decision-making in the company. So I think it's certainly uh, being spearheaded and will be driven by, by finance. We've also, we're all, we've also entered a time where technically we're in a position that we're actually able to very quickly build and deliver new types of applications which, which really rethink how we've been doing some of the things in the past, and this makes it a lot easier for these applications to get adopted in the business. And I don't want to throw a, a stat out there because Jeff will get upset, <laughs> but you know, a lot, there is a relatively low penetration rate uh, of EPM and other types of analytic technologies and organizations, and it's been that way for a long time, but I think it's going to change. We're already seeing that, and certainly the cloud and cloud-based or, or software-as-a-service applications are a key enabler to to uh, driving that change. Thank you very much, Dave. The reason I, I chimed in on you there for a second was we're having a little delay with your reception on the phone from Barcelona, so I apologize for that. I'll give a little more time to catch up. Thank you. Joe Mastro, you started this topic on the history, the entry points into the, the world of EPM. Any comments on what Jeff and David have added? Well, I think they bring up great points here as to where, where the future is headed, uh, the, the piece of technology, the CFO's role as well as the CIO's role to help this vision come to, to reality is, is, is the imperative. Uh, and the CFO understands, uh, understands the need. The CIO, I think, believes that understands the need and where we're going as well. I think one of the barriers that, that, that needs to be overcome is the security of data that is out there on the cloud that a lot of clients, enterprise clients in particular, have in, have uh, concerns about. So uh, the security, as a, you know, one of the benefits, I think, as we move towards towards the cloud is the enhanced security, and we'll get into that later in the show as well, but enhanced security to me is uh, is, a, is a big plus of being on the web and, and in the cloud is the fact that you have these uh, vendors that are, have the, the latest and greatest security software uh, that are out there, so threats are always being... Uh, minimized at, at any at any moment. So I, you know, I really believe it's a combination of CFO and CIO that's going to drive this change, drive this through the future. Joe, uh, let me ask you before we move on to some topics from Jeff Hattendorf. My question to you is: I believe a while ago, CFOs were reluctant; they were worried. Everybody was worried about security. Really, will my data be kept secure? Will it be kept, be kept privately? Will will my very important numbers be kept confidential? Will just anybody be able to poke into that part of the cloud? And say, ah, now I see what MacRespect is doing. Now we have a, ne- a competitive advantage over them. Ha- are those concerns allayed? Are they quieted down now because security is? Better? Better. I'll, I'll ask the whole panel. Joe, you first. What do you observe? Right now, cybersecurity is the number one threat in, in mm-hmm. our country, in our, in our world, right? And I think the, the onus on that is uh, for these, these cyber threat companies that they're able to develop their solutions on, on a daily basis and be able to work with uh, the cloud vendors to ensure that these solutions are being updated on a timely basis so that access to these applications in the cloud are protected from uh, multiple vendors. 
Thank you. Jeff Hattendorf, thoughts on this one before we move into your topics? Well, I, I agree with what Joe was saying. And every client we speak to, their top two concerns, number one is security. How mm-hmm. secure will my data be? We, we keep reading about banks who have been breached. Uh, the U.S. federal government has been breached. They, the people want to know that their numbers will be safe. My prediction, though, is that that is because the generation that is <clears throat> in the office of the CFO today grew up with those systems that we had 25 years ago, and, and things were more secure because it was much harder to connect. In this connected world, it's a much more relevant topic, and I actually think that the next generation, because they live their lives in social media, mm-hmm. it'll be a second, won't even be a second thought to them to put numbers out in the cloud into cloud solutions. We're, we're in a transition period where there has to be some work from the vendors and from, from the outside consultants to help the business understand what the real risks are so they make informed decisions. Thank you. David Williams, thoughts on this before we move on? Yeah, so I agree with uh, <clears throat> Joe's initial point. It's the, the biggest inhibitor to, to cloud or SaaS adoption is still security. You know, it's, what's really interesting about it is that if you, if you think about it, cloud-based applications, they're actually, that data is stored in the Fort Knox of data centers. They have best-in-class security, failover, disaster recovery. And, and I often use the analogy, you don't keep your money, well, unless you're my, my grandmother, under your mattress, right? You keep it in mm-hmm. a bank because a bank's been built to store securely your funds. In fact, you heard almost no interest nowadays, right? So you, you need to think of it from that perspective. Your, your data is actually stored in a best-in-class um, secure facility. Um, and, uh, and, and that's uh, ultimately is going to be more secure than you can do on your own premise. Thank you very much, Dave. I want to give you time to finish before I jumped in because of our delay. Uh, I think we're going to move into another area about the advantages of cloud EPM. Jeff Hattendorf, you've sent me a veritable uh, full-scope list here of advantages. So why don't we talk, I'd like to talk about less pressure on technical skill sets. Is this still an issue with CFOs? Are they still worried about what they used to have to do with on-premise solutions in terms of maintaining a staff that was really technical? Or, or are they welcoming the opportunity to have cloud do that for them? What do you see? And Why don't you start this topic for us? Well, the, the pace of change we talked about a moment ago, and, and this actually ties into security as well, is mm-hmm. the technical skill sets both in-house and the resources people would use outside their organization are under a great deal of pressure to keep up with the changes in technology. And historically, particularly around financial systems, we've done lots of what I refer to or what's commonly referred to as customization rather than configuration, or actually changing code or writing code at a, at a very low level in the system. And with lots of customization comes a, a roadblock to doing upgrades and taking advantage of all the new things that are available in, in today's world. In the same token, what we see is that the world of the, of the CFO and finance tends to have a bit of a tense relationship with IT because IT mm. wants to remain relevant and, and to own things, but they can't quite keep up because as they maintain the existing system, they lose track of what's happening in the world because the pace of change is so fast. And that's one of those things where I think the education on the topic of security is important because, as Dave said, cloud solutions are best-in-class security. But a lot of times the CFO doesn't understand that because they're being told that what they have in their office is best-in-class. And and there's a lot of misinformation and confusion about what does that really mean. And what does it really mean? 
<laughs> what, do you, what, what do they want it to mean? Well, they want it to mean that their numbers are safe. And all mm-hmm. people are looking for, the, the CFO wants to know, if I put my numbers out there, are they going to be safe? And there is safe in the cloud, in a, in a, in a tier one vendor's system, probably safer than they are in their own internal systems. When we look at what happened in the last couple of weeks with all the different networks that went down, United Airlines is down again today. Whether that's malicious hacking or simply a, a crash of the system, that's a, that's a sign of the, the pressure that IT is under to keep up with the existing systems as well as the pace of change for the new systems that are coming out and becoming available. Thank you. David Williams, talk to us. Thoughts on what Jeff has just shared about, uh, well, let's go back to our less pressure on technical skill sets. What do you think this is good news for the CFO? Are they relieved? Uh, well, 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 yeah. So I think there's, there's definitely going to be a change in skill sets. So I think we're going to see more uh, investment in skill sets around the, the analysis side and the analytics part of the, the CFO skill set is certainly still think there are technical skills. And, and one thing that is coming up from a CIO perspective is with the rapid adoption of, of SaaS and cloud-based applications, a lot of companies now actually have a lot of different apps that have to be pieced together. Okay, So IT is actively involved in that, and they're also concerned uh, in many respects because they have to, to, to be dealing and integrating a lot of different applications. It's, it's almost like back to the future in the days where we had uh, uh, you know, data integration challenges were, were quite prevalent, and then you saw the, the advents of suite solutions and so on. So there are still and will always be challenges with getting data, bringing it in. That's still the biggest part of any application is finding the right data that you need to drive mm-hmm. that analytic decision-making and getting it into the solution. So while the technical skills may change, there will still be technical work, and there's certainly other types of skills that will be required so again, drive that mission of, of making better informed and strategic decisions for the company. Mm-hmm. Dave, does this go back to a very non-technical word? We used to use the, the phrase GIGO, G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out. That's, <laughs> That's right. Is, is, isn't That's that really right. what it all that comes down change. to? That hasn't changed, I thought so. Yeah, it just Not popped into my all. mind. Joe Mastro, thoughts on this topic we're going around the table on? Yeah, time marches on and, and nothing changes, right? So still, <laughs> things still remain the same, Bonnie. Um, That's right. Yeah, some, some, some interesting comments on, uh, from, from both Dave and, and um, Jeff on this. And, you know, to, to the point of the applications themselves moving out to, to the cloud and the ease of use of those applications, the fact that uh, a lot of the, the, the design and implementation of these systems today are more configuration than pure development. Uh, that are taking place. The solutions that are out there on the cloud, they have best-in-class um, um, built into them from a scenario. So as an example, if I wanted to go out there and do foreign exchange within an application, uh, there are many ways of doing that today, uh, today's performance management systems, but there's a leading uh, practice out there on how that should be done. And that would be built, that's built into the cloud solutions already. So it, whether or not you're doing driver-based planning, I, I like the ability that we have a lot of the configurations in, built into these cloud uh, solutions already. It becomes more of the end user being able to leverage that data, analyze the data, report on that data, do visualization on that data, find new insights that they may not have other, otherwise had. Um, I also think from, uh, the, from an architecture perspective today, 
Now, a lot of clients, due to the fact that everything moving to the cloud, are putting a lot of band-aids on their existing infrastructure that are really not going to be sustainable going forward. So I think clients today that, that we're working with certainly are looking at their architecture and, and bringing it up to, up, up to date as we make that move towards, uh, towards the web. Thank you, Joe. Jeff Hattendorf, you want to wrap up on this topic? We went a little far afield on it, but I like the way it's going. So anything you want to say on this before I move on? Well, yeah, I, mean, I think what Joe was just talking about, ease of use in the office of the CFO is one of the biggest changes because the new tools don't require robot writing and analytics, for example. The, the CFO's team to, to have lots of technical skills to write queries to pull data out and then to format it to, to show to someone. They can use drag and drop and other visualization tools that are much easier to use and have a, a less steep learning curve. And then I think that Dave's point, we talk about this, this idea of lots of systems and the original point that I meant to make around less pressure on the technical skill sets. When you have lots of systems, that's a, that's a huge investment for a company to keep up with just the, the status quo. When you move to the cloud, the burden of keeping up with the technology moves to the cloud vendor. There, there's still integration and there's still some other things that have to be done, but it, it transfers some of that to the vendor where economies of scale across a large number of clients begin to take hold and reduce the cost for everyone. Thank you very much, Jeff. Before I move on to some notes from David Williams, I have a question for you, Jeff. What size company are we addressing as we're talking about EPM in the cloud? Is this for appropriate and available for a startup, for a low-end SME, or are we talking mid-size and all the way up to the big enterprises? For whom is this the right, or could this be the right match for what their CFO's goals are? Jeff? So my view is it's actually a, a, goal, a fit for companies of, of nearly any size. So okay. we use it internally, and we're a very small company compared to who our clients are, which are the, the Fortune 100s, um, where departments have begun to use the cloud, but not across the entire enterprise. And that's where, as Dave talks about the adoption rate, the enterprise-wide adoption for the very large organization is not quite there yet, but we're reaching the point where that will become the case. So mid-sized companies, without a doubt, small companies, without a doubt, because the, the cost benefit is, is such that it's, it's easy to, to take those, those tools in-house and begin to work with them very quickly. It's the large organizations where part of the burden or part of the reason for the, the low adoption to this point, I think, has been about security. But I think the bigger pushback has been internally, we've always done it this way. And to use the cloud, you have to be willing mm-hmm. to change just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Good points. Joe, I want to bring you in before I go to David because David and I are going to start a new topic. Joe, thoughts on size of company or maturity, perhaps we should say, or local versus multinational. Any thoughts on for whom is APM in the cloud most appropriate or appropriate at all? I think it's appropriate really for, for clients of all sizes today. I think certainly mm-hmm. for your small mid-sized companies, it's a a much more attractive uh, offer to them when they don't have the infrastructure in place to support the, the cloud solutions or where they're going to have to do a lot of hiring to, to, to absolutely be able to maintain the solution in-house. So I think uh, certainly from clients that we've worked with, the, the small to mid-sized companies are certainly within the realm, but we're also seeing enterprise-wide clients looking at this uh, for the flexibility of rolling this out to their subsidiaries. So we may have EPM solutions at corporate uh, they go in much more detail uh, than we actually need out in the field or vice versa. Uh, but what the EPM on the cloud does with traditional client server, client, uh, server solutions is allow the ability to be able to take the extract out of those solutions, allow those your field units to really be able to get into much more uh, granularity on the local reporting needs, 
and then submit the, the data that they need to corporate so that they can continue on with their uh, EPM functions. Thank you. David Williams, I'd like you to answer that, and then we're going to move into another topic. What are your thoughts? Size of company appropriate for EPM in the cloud? Well, I, I think it's appropriate for any size of company. Uh, you know, I, re- I really think that the cloud now is table stakes, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's the, the cloud solutions are suitable. It's, it's not the size of your business, right? It, it really is a, the applications that are being delivered now are very quick to get up and running, and they take away a lot of the headaches of the uh, painful upgrades and migrations. That's what's driving a lot of the adoption of, of cloud-based apps mm-hmm. and SaaS. And to one of the earlier points, what may dictate the roadmap to the cloud is often the complexity of the company or the process that they are looking to move to the cloud. And some of the first adoption of cloud-based scenarios are actually hybrid so they're not these rip and replace. Mm. We're going to go rip everything out, get a mm. brand new SaaS or cloud solution. It's look to Jeff's point. We've got a new, we've got a division here. We've got a department. We want to get them up uh, quickly with a planning solution. Say for example that we can plug into our our, our corporate or central plan that's say running on premise. That's a very prevalent uh, uh, adoption scenario that we're seeing in EPM, uh, and certainly that. That doesn't uh, depend on company size, although larger companies who may have many subsidiaries might look at that model. Thank you, David. Guess what? I want to move into, I'm looking at your notes, and we've covered a lot. I I was going to ask you about cloud as table stakes, and you covered that. But here's an interesting point in your notes I'd, I'd like to explore. You say users now expect business and analytical apps to look, feel, and operate like consumer apps. Is that what's happening with EPM in the cloud, David? That this is the potential, and, and, and I didn't really mm-hmm. get into fully defining what I meant by table stakes. So what okay, I meant sure. by that is, I mentioned earlier, cloud EPM is not new. There's been apps that have been around for over a decade. So cloud is table stakes. It doesn't differentiate any longer out in the marketplace. As a as a organization or person that's looking for an application to drive their finance function, there are things that you need to be looking at beyond just whether it's cloud or not. And some of those things, and Jeff and Joe highlighted this, are around usability. Okay, if One thing that mobile applications have done is they've reset the expectation level with how business applications should look and feel. And so newer types of, of uh, cloud apps or EPM cloud apps need to think about what the user expectation is around usability and performance and look and feel. And that's what I mean by how things are changing moving forward and you're going to see these design principles that are coming out of those consumer uh, applications blend in with business applications. Thank you. And what about uh, what about this back to the future with we expect our apps all to look like consumer apps? Any thoughts on that? A back, back to the future in that one? Um, I don't think this one's back to the future because I think what we have now is technology can finally deliver on what the business user's requirements are. So we used to be restricted by technology in the older days, and we'll call them the old days, 
but mm-hmm. we were restricted by, without getting technical, you know, the platforms and databases and the ability for those things to actually be able to answer the questions we had, right? So we were, we'd be concerned if we asked a question too complex or a query that was too complex and the lights would flicker or the system would hang all day and you know, the system would grind mm-hmm. to a halt. Technology can now deliver, right? And when we talk about usability, we have the ability to create very nice, easy-to-use user interfaces that are much more graphical and less text-heavy. So now we have the technology. We're back. We're to a situation, I should say, where technology isn't, isn't dictating how the applications are built. We now get to look at what do I need to do in my role or what does a, YouTube, a finance user or an FP&A person, for example, need to do in their role and we work back from that, it can build the appropriate solution. We couldn't do that before. We were constrained by technology. Thank you very much. Joe Mastro, come in on Chime In on this. We covered a lot of territory, new territory with David Williams. Thoughts on any or all of it, Joe? Well, I think as we move forward, it's it's just the the ability for us right now that that's ahead of us for for clients to take advantage of EPM on the web is just uh, tremendous, and we're starting to see that in in just about every client that we're working with. The the interest levels there, the the fact that they've they're standing up environments today um, to to put this into to motion to to really test this within their their existing uh, framework of how they're doing analytics. But the, the fact of having analytics in a box, uh, the fact that you have EPM that can be rolled out to the field uh, at the more granular level and give them the ability to really drill down and really understand what their business, get the insights from their business, from the vast amounts of data that we're tracking and that they have on, on hand today to really find out what, what the drivers, key drivers of the business are any issues that may arise, but being able to do it proactively and with vis- tools that uh, allow you to really see things visually as opposed to the old way of we are running reports. So the fact that it's all packaged into a single solution for clients and mm-hmm. available on, on, on the web for them in, a, in, a, in the environment that they can get to from any place, from any mobile platform, I think is really taking this to the next level where clients do expect to be able to log on from any device anywhere mm-hmm. in, the, in the world and be able to get access to their information. So um, I think we're, we're right on the cusp of, uh, of, of a new age, right, that it, everything I think will be going to the cloud is moving to the cloud as we speak. Thank you. Jeff Attendorf, thoughts? Well, as a professional nerd, this gets me really <laughs> excited. <laughs> you know, in the same way that the microwave oven taught us all that we can have popcorn in two minutes and a hot meal in less than five minutes, compared to when my mom used to make it when I was growing up and it seemed like it took hours and left hours of dishes to wash. What, what cloud solutions are doing for us, and this is something that both Dave and Joe touched on, is that as we get into this, I'm sorry, what, what consumer applications combined with cloud, cloud applications have given us is this expectation that I can have my data everywhere that I am, I can have it now, and I can have it exactly how I want it, which means either at the highest level of the organization looking at company-wide trends or I can drill down to the lowest level of detail and look at what's happening in my individual cost center or department. And it's, it's the combination of those things that, that technology is really beginning to enable. And to me, it's an exciting time as, as, as an IT professional to, to be around data and moving things that rather than making spreadsheets better and faster, we're actually helping the business make better decisions and answer questions, as Dave touched on, that they couldn't ask or answer before because it just took too long. Jeff? 
I just tweeted Jeff Hattendorf on SAP Radio. Heard We heard him say he's a professional nerd, but he's also an EPM expert. So there you go. I just saved your... I was just too precious to, uh, to not wrap that one up and, and deliver it with a red bow on Twitter. Guys, we've got about nine minutes left, and it's way too early for me to go into the crystal ball predictions round, even though I think most of the conversation we've had so far on our topic of reimagining EPM working in the cloud is future-based because companies are moving there. It's not a fait accompli. So I'm going to open up the table. I do this very seldom, but I think this is an opportunity for us to spend, oh, maybe five minutes talking about whatever any of the three of you feel is important to wrap up this topic before we get to our predictions round. And I'll save about a minute apiece for Joe, Jeff, and David to give me predictions. So Joe, Jeff, David, who's got something on your mind that we didn't cover that you feel is really important to this conversation about reimagining EPM. Joe, Jeff, David, whoever yeah, talks I, first. Uh, yeah, yep. I don't know if we, uh, we brought up uh, total cost of ownership, Bonnie, yet. Mm-hmm. I know we made Go ahead. To it, but certainly the total cost of ownership here as, as clients are looking to adopt this technology, uh, the, the cost of ownership decreases significantly. And to me, not only cost, but also the risk uh, decreases as well. And risk from a standpoint that you know you have an environment that's up and running. You have a vendor that's supporting those environments. From we talked about the cybersecurity threat, so you have better cybersecurity um, on those systems that are in the cloud. Um, I also you have the access to that data. Um, so to me, it's you know that that is the the key to, to moving forward here is just the, the accessibility of that data on the cloud and the cost of ownership that. It really keeps those costs down where you don't have to have the infrastructure in-house, have to have uh, the database, the maintenance, the conversions, all that goes along with having an in-house solution. Those go away, and that's, that's now on, on the cloud vendors that are managing that for you. So if you need new functionality in your software, it's you don't need there. to update your software. It's, it's already there for you. It's there for you. That's Jeff, correct? Jeff Hattendorf, right? Yeah, I'm looking at your notes here. So, Jeff, would you advise startups, somebody I like to call the people sitting around that table with that gleam in their eye, oh, boy, do I have a great business idea. I'm going to start it. I'm going to get a lot of funding. I'm going to take the world by storm. Should they be looking at Cloud EPM right from the get-go? Absolutely. Um, We've been using it in our company going back 12 years, 13 years, because the, the, the cost of maintaining servers and infrastructure when you can do that through a third party, is it doesn't make any sense to spend that money when you can be investing in, in growing your business and, and really building out your competitive advantage. Uh, IT services, the infrastructure that manages the EPM system, the, the solution itself is specific to the customer, it, to us and to our clients, but the infrastructure that maintains it should be managed by somebody who does that for a living and can help us save money across the, the cost of that. You know, and quite frankly, I look at it as a way to if you can get past the idea that we're different, a lot of big companies especially have this, we're different, we have to have it our way. If you can, mm-hmm. if you can begin to take that mindset out of the, the decision process and look at the real costs, the, the lower total cost of ownership that Joe was talking about is to me the biggest benefactor or benefit to companies moving to cloud solutions. The second would be the idea that most of these vendors, SAP and the others, have begun to build in leading practices so you don't have to be experts in HR if you want to have a better HR solution, if you're willing to make some changes to take advantage of what the tool will do for you. 
Thank you very much. And you know what? I think we're at the point where it's time for us to move into our cloud vision of looking down from the cloud, no pun intended. What do you think will change in terms of predictions? And the crystal ball, I hope, is blue skies all the way and not cloudy used in the other sense. So, Joe Mastro, sorry for the terrible metaphors. Joe, please tell us. I'm going to give you, let's start with 60 seconds each. And if we have an extra time left, maybe I'll have a bonus round, a lightning round for the three of you. Joe Mastro. When you look into the into the crystal ball, can you look to the year 2020 or sooner or after that? And what do you see that will change about the analytical CFO and EPM solutions in the cloud? Joe Mastro, predictions, 60 seconds, go. Thanks, Bonnie. I think you know, the, the world that we're in right now is moving very rapidly, and we're seeing the, uh, the convergence of transactional data as well as what we refer to a lot of times as EPM-type data, where it's summarized data we're able to report on and get information out of. So I see the world right now. We're right in the midst of it. 2020, I really see where we have a general ledger source systems that are really rolling directly into our analytic applications that are all going to be based up in the cloud, and the accessibility, the performance that we're seeing is just going to be exponential uh, from where we are today, which is, you know, if we look at just technology today, we're 50 to 100 times faster on some of the applications we're working with uh, just over technology that's evolved over the last three years. So a uh, very bright future. Looking forward to it. And I think uh, the accessibility has played play a big role in that as well. Good. And do you think if new companies, Gleam in the Eye new companies, Joe, know about this, that they will say we will be headed in the right direction if we start off with our financial solutions in the cloud and that's one less worry and headache in terms of keeping up to date with tech skills and having to update programs and retrain everybody and keep dumping money into legacy systems? Is that something that's so exciting it will help people want to do new business, do you think? Just a quick yes or no. I think it would be yes. It's an imperative Oh, good. Okay. Jeff Hattendorf. One sentence, Jeff. What does MacroSpec do? I meant to ask you earlier, and then tell me your prediction. 60 seconds. All right, give you 60, 75 seconds. Jeff, go. We're, we're an EPM implementation partner, and we help companies decide what their strategy should be. And where I think companies will be in the near term is with what Dave talked about as a hybrid solution, particularly large organizations. They're going to have on-premise and off-premise or cloud solutions as their organization moves from all on-premise solutions, so I think we're, we're not, not in the too distant future. We're going to have a, a world in which almost every corporation is using services in the cloud rather than owning infrastructure internally. The issue of security will be overcome because it's more about perception than reality at this point. And mm-hmm. really the, the role of the CFO, in addition to telling the world how the, how the business did with historical na- analytics, will be much more focused on predictive analytics, trying to look at Where's the world going to be, and how's it going to impact our business? And helping both the rest of the executive team and the board of directors of, the, of our clients make better decisions about where they should be taking the business from a strategic standpoint rather than simply hoping to answer questions as they come up. Thank you very much. David Williams, I saved a whole minute for you, and I think we will have time for a quick lightning round. Go ahead, David. Thoughts, predictions? Sure. Well, well one prediction is, and, and actually Jeff touched on this as well, is that finance and the CFO will be much more uh, in the driver's seat in in terms of driving analytic decision-making to the point where they may be a chief analytics officer on the CFO's team or the CFO actually may assume the role of a chief analytics officer. I think as technology 
um, starts to become easier and the cloud where you've got vendors who are dealing with a lot of the technical aspects, um, the, the Office of Finance and CFO is going to be spending more time analyzing the business and supporting uh, and helping driving the, the course of the business. My prediction is that over the next two or three years is that we're going to see many of these consumer app design principles that I talked about earlier, they are going to show up in financial and analytical applications. In fact, it's not even a prediction. I'm kind of cheating. Mm-hmm. Um, we're already there <laughs> with a number of things. Mm-hmm. For example, social collaboration, like, uh, like a WhatsApp look and feel uh, embedded inside a planning application. So those are just a couple of things to throw out there. Thank you very much. By the way, I just found an article online from June 5th, 2009 in ComputerWeekly.com. It says security fears are holding back cloud computing. More than three-quarters of 200 UK CIOs and CFOs surveyed, blah, blah, blah. Security fears are holding back big data moves, holding back cloud adoption in India. So look at how much things have changed in the six years intervening. So wouldn't we have loved to predict this then? I rest my case. Quick uh, bonus question for each of you, a yes or no answer. Will all of this excitement about moving financial application solutions to the cloud bring in excitement in par- on the part of uh, millennials wanting to become finance, office of finance professionals and aspire to the office of the CFO? Yes or no, Joe Mastro? Uh, I'd say yes. Jeff Attendorf? Yes. David Williams? Definitely. Definitely. I like somebody who's a little different in the crowd. Thank you very much. And we all got there. And by the way, Joe, you mentioned something about the past repeating itself. Plus ça change, plus ça la même chose. My favorite phrase in French. Go look it up if you don't know it. Guess what? We've had a really interesting conversation about reimagining EPM working in the cloud. I learned a lot. I certainly hope you did. And I tried to make sure our panelists address businesses of all sizes because we know we have a global audience and you are from businesses of all sizes. And maybe you're not in business yet, but we hope Hope that some of the information you gleaned from the show today will help you. So, Joe Mastro with Deloitte, thank you, thank you, thank you. And to our dear friends at Deloitte who bring such wonderful speakers, including Joe, to our shows. Jeff Hattendorf, always happy to have you back. Regards to everybody at MacRespect. And David Williams at SAP, pleasure to meet you. And I hope you'll come back soon. Shout out to Carla Neal at Deloitte. Thank you, thank you. Amanda Bush has been listening on the line. Amanda, thank you so much also from Deloitte. And uh, we have something, uh, Karuna Mukherjee at SAP was also listening and tweeting. And Chris Grundy, thank you. Thanks for running this, or managing the editorial calendar for this series. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Time to go. I'll see you tomorrow on a couple of our shows. Just look us up on the business channel. So here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you run simple. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO. And join host Bonnie D. Graham next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, here on the Business Channel, wishing you a game-changing week. 